Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Work in Progress podcast where we talk about software engineering in the modern age. I'm Min Pham, and I've got my co-host Alan. Hey. And today we're going to do a bit of a dive on just what is software engineering at all. Stay tuned, we've got some cool stuff for you. It's the beginning of the year and a lot of people are starting to look at new things that they might want to do with their lives, new careers that they might want to uh, transition into. Uh, software engineering is obviously one of the most popular career choices these days. And uh, I don't know about you, Alan, I've gotten a couple of people who who've just asked me like, okay, I know you talk about coding and software and all of that, but like, just what is it? What is it in general? How can you boil that down to, so that I can understand what is software engineering? It's I've I've not actually run into that question, but I'm also oh. a lot. <laughs> I, I don't run in in a lot of social circles that you might. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean it's it's a very valid question, uh, especially as folks consider uh, job careers, jumping careers, even. Even for those who are sort of in um, careers that run tangential to software development, you know, product managers or uh, I don't know, QA folks, uh, they might have an interest in jumping over to the software development side of things. Um, but you know that that kind of leads me into my first question for you. You know, there's a lot of words that go around software, like coding, developing, engineering. Is there do you think there is a delineation between what coding is or software development or software engineering? Yeah, I definitely think that there is. But um, if I were to kind of uh, take a layman's approach, uh, probably not, right? You hear all of those terms, you probably think, oh, they type away at a computer a lot for most of the day. Uh, and to a degree, you'd be right, especially these days, right? Right. <laughs> Uh, we're probably chatting though on on various chat apps instead of actually writing code, but uh, but yeah, I you know we do spend a lot of time at the uh, at the computer typing away. Um, the distinctions that I think I would draw between sort of engineering development codings, uh, I, I think it comes down to sort of the the output and where you sort of fit into the process. Um, I, I'm going to go into that a little bit more later, but just broadly speaking, I sort of like thinking about, you mentioned these tangential roles. I sort of like thinking about it, all of it as the tech industry. It's just broadly speaking, the tech industry. Um, a couple of things I kind of characterize around the tech industry that I think stands apart from, uh, other industries. Uh, wildly different uh, job roles and job expectations compared to traditional either blue collar, white collar work. There's, I, I think tech is unique in that it's probably the one industry where you can have a pretty high reasonable uh, chance of showing up in a t-shirt and jeans, you know, and that being completely <laughs> acceptable. <laughs> it's the one where like, 
um, you honestly, you don't have a lot of little uh, policies like like no call, no show, right? And and that's like enough to be written up. Uh, you also don't have a union or or any kind of like union representation, right? Uh-huh. I, I'll 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 disagree with that. I hear there's some folks uh, over in Google trying to form a union, right? Yeah, now. right. <laughs> yeah. So the the Google folks are are trying to even get to that point, right? So overall, I would say the characteristics that to me that stand out very very unregimented, I guess, unregulated. I don't know. Uh, saying unregulated sounds really scary, but. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how much of that that whole our industry is probably the only one that can show up in you know jeans and a t shirt is just purely based off of our experiences. I know that th- I have some some uh, peers who work for some larger companies that are in, that that are heavily focused in other industries that do have some sort of more i hate to say the word professional um <laughs> mannerisms about it right yeah yeah no you're, you're definitely right i think that there are certainly companies whose world kind of fits into a couple of industries that that are probably a little bit more strict on 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 things like that um anyways that's that's really not like a a, a big point that i i want to make or anything uh i th- i just largely think about work within technology as just the tech industry. And there's a lot of roles. Some of them involve coding. Some of them don't involve coding. Um, Some of them involve just the process of working with software in order to produce more software or or to, broadly speaking, solve problems. So, um, yeah, I I guess I'm not really sure if that's actually a useful distinction or not. Yeah, and and I I like that we start off this episode going off on a whole different tangent. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back, you know, back to the question of what is software engineering. Let's let's break that down. Uh, there's yeah. there's two main words there: software and engineering. Uh, when you think of software, I think of computers and and the sort of things you do on a computer, right? Opening your email, opening a web browser, opening yeah. Um, I don't know, our our, our chat applications yeah chat applications are yeah, still up there. slack for whatever reason i was thinking back to like icq and AIM. Yeah. <laughs> but uh those those are all what what we consider applications and part of a software engineer developer coder's job is to uh build those applications right think yeah. of it think of it if if we were back in analog world here think of it as say a uh civil engineer building a bridge Right, mm-hmm. uh, a software engineer just builds something different. Yeah, um, an electronic bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Electrical engineering. Uh, yeah, and there's there's that's not to say that our our specific industry field is very specific to applications, right? Like there is very much a, an area of software engineering that deals with uh, what what we call embedded systems where we are interacting with physical devices, not just what, what shows up on a screen, what shows up on a, a web browser. Like there's, there's definitely fields underneath uh, yeah. software that, that we, we can go into all day. But um, yeah. is, is there anything you would 
like to add on to that definition of just just software, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you covered it really, really well. Um, I, I, yeah, I think you covered it really well. Cool. Um, let's move on then. Engineering. What what does engineering yeah. mean? So I, this cl- is, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Cl- classically, engineering is the application of science, right? Yeah. So if you if you think of where that word engineering appears in in this title, software engineer, you're applying the concepts of software to build something, right? It's the application mm-hmm. of, I guess in this case, computer science mm-hmm. uh, to build something. Yeah. Uh, you know, that is an incredibly concise and, and I think uh, a very accurate um, description, definition of, of software engineering. I, I completely agree with that. And I, I, I think the word engineering is where I also start to draw out the distinctions between some of the other terms that, that you had mentioned earlier, software developer, uh, coder, programmer, any of those yeah, those those definitely can be used and are often used as synonyms for one another. Um, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on it personally. Um, you know, when when I first started off at, in my career, a lot of the positions that I was I was looking into were web development, right? Nothing, yeah. nothing about software in there. It's a very specific yeah. uh, subset of job in the software field, but. You, you know, you had your webmasters, your web developers, your web, whatever, all all based on the web. And, you know, uh, that that is, again, just a subcategory within software. Um, how that's changed over time. Uh, my, my last position actually involved uh, working directly with uh, physical pieces of hardware and, and building an interface through the web through a browser in, in order to control those physical pieces of equipment. So it's it's not necessarily, you, you don't have to stick to one subcategory. There are positions where you're spanning across subcategories. Yeah. And I think this is kind of where it's interesting because the, I, I guess if you really wanted to, to uh, you know, pin it down, it's, it's kind of computer science and applying it into various different uh, subcategories there. Which I guess is a little bit, uh, a little bit exceptional compared to some of the other hard sciences, right? Like you can't necessarily take physics knowledge and apply that to, say, food science, right? Well, maybe you can. Maybe maybe that that one's a bad example. <laughs> I'm 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 definitely trying to think of a specific example, but yeah. nothing comes to mind. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess like uh, really the only thing I'm trying to call out there is to say that, you know, if at some point you were a web developer, maybe later you're looking at a, a database developer or some, something like that, you very well could make that leap and it will involve a lot of the very same core skills that you've probably already learned. Whereas being a civil engineer does not necessarily make you a viable you know, uh, I don't know, electrical engineer. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about some of these other engineering uh, careers and I, I really hope I don't butcher my understanding of them. I apologize <laughs> to the other engineers out there. Um, but you, you, it, it feels like there is a sort of a common process that underlies every single engineering uh, field. 
where you take some of the scientific knowledge that you have and you figure out, well, how does how do I use that knowledge in the real world to produce some some product, right? Whether that that's a bridge, yeah. whether that's uh, I don't know a racetrack uh, in, yeah. in terms of physics engineering here. Um, but it's it's being able to translate just this this theory with some data and bringing it forth into a something usable, right? Yeah. Um, that that's no different from software. We're we're taking a theory behind something, say uh, data aggregation. Mm-hmm. We're taking the data that comes from this data aggregation, and then through software presenting this data. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's exactly as you describe it there. I, I couldn't have put it better myself. And I think the the question that most people uh, and you know, please tell me if if. You know, this is a misconception or, or I misinterpreted what you said earlier. But most people that are considering a career switch see software engineering as this big, oh, I, I can't, I, I'm not smart enough to to jump into this field because it, it looks like it can get really confusing. Yeah. Um, I, I would argue that having the skills to do it is something that can be learned. Um, and I think this is, you know, this is proven through boot camps, right? You don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to have a computer science degree to do it. Um, you can you can learn the skills necessary to do it, and you can be very successful at it uh, once you do learn those skills. And for for folks who are thinking about making that jump but just are too scared or self doubting, it's just like picking up any other hobby that you might be interested in, right? Uh, right. And I. I, I hate to use the word hobby because uh, it's something you can just let go of, but <laughs> it, it, it's a process of figuring out what I need to just even to, to, to just take that first step, figure out what mm-hmm. I need and then just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Right. And then you, you build the confidence, you build the uh, abilities and knowledge over time. Yeah. Like it's, it's no different from me picking up a camera and going and figuring out what photography means. Right. right? Yeah, I, I, I really like the way you you put that. And uh, I, I kind of would add to that, like anyone who is kind of thinking about this, don't I, I don't want you to think about software or any kind of coding job at all as like a, a hard science that you have to go to school or a boot camp or any of these formal uh, formal-ish uh, education routes in order to learn. I the the analogy I would draw to to learning how to program. It's a lot more like actually learning a, any spoken language in the world or any any written language for that matter. You don't need to be an English professor or a, a, an English or Latin major or anything like that in order to write a poem or or write a short story. Right? You can learn how to write without necessarily understanding the deep science and history behind all of it. And I know that that's going to incense a, a couple of listeners there. Uh, but I, I would I would argue to you that if you truly value the science and and you really enjoy learning the science, that's awesome and you will be fur- you, that will further you in your own career. but there is plenty of space, for especially in the world that we live in today, 
There's plenty of space for the people who are going to simply know how to code and not necessarily know the science behind it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for the, the folks who are going to be incensed by what yeah. you just said. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we mean to sort of demean or downplay anyone's you know abilities but yeah. there i i think there is a a place for folks who are extremely talented in in math and science yeah. who do come into this field and they do tackle some of the larger problems um think about machine learning it's a lot of math yeah uh i if if i came into that without a computer science degree some of that background i would not have been able to get right like linear algebra, that's that's crucial for machine learning, and it's not something that someone's gonna come in and and just pick up and say, "I can do it now." It it yeah. does take time, understanding, and training to get there. Absolutely. Um, but again, again, that applies to literally everything you do. <laughs> right. And and you know, I I I'm gonna kind of go back to the the English teacher example there. The amount of English that you need to know in order to teach grade school is a lot lower, a lot less than the kind of English that you need to teach at a college level, right? And I think that that's, that's kind of where the industry is going with that. There's the ones who really understand a lot of computer science and who've really spent a lot of years mastering and, and deepening their knowledge of that. You'll go on to solve truly, really hard problems at the forefront of the industry, and that's perfectly fine. In the meantime, at the very front of it, where there's a lot more, I'll say, menial programming, that's where a lot of other new people can can find work. You know, they can find a space to fit in, um, and I think that that's actually beneficial to everybody, right? Let, let's be honest. Once you've written an API, the thousandth time you you create another REST API, you're pretty bored about you're you're pretty bored <laughs> doing that, right? Right, and you know. Again, I th I think we we kind of beat the horse about this, but uh, a majority of my career, and I'm sure your career as well, uh, as an engineer and a manager, is is a good chunk of it is working with other people, right? Yeah, like absolutely, and arguably that is the hardest part of the career. Yeah, <laughs> um, you. You know, I'm I'm one of the personalities. Granted, I'm probably not the character caricature of this personality, but um, I'm one of those personalities who came into this thinking I'm not going to have to work with people because I don't want to work with people. Yeah. But <laughs> but there are certainly uh, folks who have less social skills than I do, and being able to navigate those personalities is extremely extremely um, draining. Yeah. It, it can be, um, but, you know, again, it applies to <laughs> just any social situation. Um, and I don't, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm demeaning folks who have those personalities or anything. They're, they're great people. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've very rarely met anyone who was difficult to work with. Um, but it's, it's just navigating those relationships and being able to bring together the different personalities. Yeah. Um, and as we all know, certain personalities mesh and certain personalities don't. Exactly. And the hardest part of this job is figuring out how to bring all of the, all of them together. <laughs> right. 
you know, and, and I think that that kind of dovetails nicely into uh, just kind of talking about like, should you consider this? Is this for you? Is software development, coding, programming, however you want to phrase it, is it for you? And and I think that that's probably one of the very, very first things to to consider. If you are thinking about software as a job or a role where you don't have to interact with people, beyond having the flexibility to work remotely, I will say no, you don't actually get to to work in that. I, and I think in the modern world, there's fewer and fewer of those jobs um, available across any kind of industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to put us on a, a little bit of a, a tangent on this question here. Um, what is it about software engineering that, pulled you into it i know in a previous episode we talked about uh your enjoyment of video games but is there anything specific about the development process that that just lights up your day yeah yeah i i mean in in a sense i like thinking about uh, i like thinking about systems and just how uh how to kind of model the world how how to think about the world in terms of of, of discrete systems and processes. And then when you get to see those discrete processes fit together in interesting ways, it's sort of like, it, you know, it's sort of like Sudoku. Like there's an infinite number of those puzzles, right? But there's only a, like three or four rules, right? You have to have one through nine in every box. You have to have one through nine in every uh, row and every column. That's That's basically the only rules there are in the entire game right and yet it produces something like millions upon maybe even billions of different permutations of a sudoku board that's that's kind of the idea behind it and that's what really fascinates me about code it's sort of um i i think of it as really the only kind of world where you can come up with the rules and if you get really really good at that then the rules can basically create any kind of world that you want out of it Mm mm-hmm that's I, I think you said it a lot more eloquently than I will <laughs> um, I, I liken it to a, a puzzle where where pieces can fit in different spots uh, depending on how you fit the pieces together uh, mm-hmm. the the larger picture is going to look different right um, uh, I, I liken it to a puzzle that can be solved in multiple ways yeah. And depending on who you talk to, uh, how they solve it is going to change. And when you talk to them, it's that their, their answer is going to change too. Right. right. Um, there, there's a, a long going, um, belief that I, I subscribe to of, I'm going to look back at my code mm-hmm. from a week ago, a month ago. <laughs> And just completely, completely hate myself for it because in the time since I wrote it, I will have thought about a different way to do it. Yeah. And and, in a better way to do it. Right. And that happens way more often than than not. And it, it speaks back to that idea of, you know, I could solve this puzzle in so many different ways. Yeah. And that's, that's what draws me, uh, to, to code, you know, um, I, I know I've spoken about spoken about this before, about how, uh, you know, I wanted to do photography for the sake of being able to sit down and see something in different 
um, scopes, different different views, right? Yeah. And software sort of speaks to me in that manner too. Yeah, and I and I you know I, I'm gonna kind of take this idea forward a little bit, and and this might be uh, a bit of an exaggeration, but I I'm willing to say that anybody and everybody should consider software a, uh, as a viable career path because i think of to truth be told i think of software as the next kind of writing or reading kind of skill there was a time where the the vast majority of of society didn't know how to read or write right and there were specific jobs that needed the ability to read or write i think software and being able to write code just in general is the next version of that being able to just be literate code literate I think is going to, going to go in that direction. And so it's, it, should you consider it as a career path? I think everyone should. Yes, absolutely. Now, based on what you like, kind of what we're talking about, you know, this, this intrinsic fun that you get out of solving the puzzle or, or, or viewing the, um, the problem space in creative ways. I think that tells you how far and how deep of a career path this is going to go if you if everything that we've talked about so far solving puzzles and all of that just doesn't sound that fun for you and you're like well to be honest i i i, I want to consider software as a career path because i'd rather sit at a desk and type away rather than be on my feet having to you know do whatever like let's say fulfill orders at an amazon mega factory right mm. like that's that's some brutal hard work and and uh, I'm a, I'll tell everybody right now I would not be physically cut out to do that. <laughs> um, for those who who are looking for you know a a just a higher uh, a, a better type of job that's a little less physically intensive, yeah, you know absolutely. And uh, and and your your personal interest and in, and in what draws you to it can can just take you further, can just take you deeper. But you don't have to. Yeah. And, you know, whether whether you choose to go down an actual career with software or not, I think it's just one of those those things that uh, can only make your life uh, a little bit more enjoyable, whether you yeah. do it as a career or not. Right. Because some of the, the things you take away from just this entire process of thinking through problem solving can be applied to other careers as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. In, in our last episode with with Jeff Weiss, you know, he mentioned that uh, skills from other uh, other careers and other industries are completely applicable to to this one. Um, it goes in the opposite direction as well, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And you know, if you're if you're curious about whether or not this is a viable path, there there are uh, plenty of of little introduction um, applications that can teach you a little bit about software to see if it's something yeah. that you'd be interested in. It's not one of those things where you have to do a deep dive in order to f figure out if it is right or not. Yeah. Um, it's just a small, you know, small couple hour time investment to, to figure out if this is something that's interesting and maybe I should spend more time on it. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll include some links um, in, in the description uh, for those who are interested, but um yeah. yeah. And that's not even to mention th some of the tangential roles that you talked about. So this whole category of product development um, for for folks who, you know, aren't 
used to software engineering lingo, there's this entire category of work, um, product management. Sometimes I've heard of some I've heard of some places that refer to it as business analysts or or business intelligence. Like I, I've I've heard of some places using that role to kind of fill in the gap, but essentially you you do no coding whatsoever. And in fact, you don't even have to understand how code is even written, right? You cannot, you, it, it generally behooves you to actually do understand some of those things, but you literally don't need to know a single coding language out there to, to do some of these roles. And they still fit a lot of the uh, descriptors earlier that I mentioned about the tech industry, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one of, one of the roles I mentioned earlier, a QA engineer, quality assurance engineer, it's a very great starting point to get into the field, honestly. Yeah. Like you don't have to know a lick about software development, but your job is to test the work of software developers. And part of that role gives you a very big opening to get to know what it is to be an engineer because you work with them on the daily and yeah. if you're interested, I guarantee you, you'll find an engineer out there who will who will gladly sit down with you and and you know pair with you, work with you on you know letting you shadow what they do. Yeah. And I I think that uh, QA is actually uh, an excellent. I love that uh, QA is an excellent place to start because in in a sense that's your that's going to be one of the easiest roles to to start to have to expose yourself to this kind of thinking, right? Like if I held up my phone and and I and I were to look at my phone, the mind of a QA engineer would have to start breaking that idea down, right? It's not just a phone. There's a there's there's a screen, there's different physical components underneath there, there's different elements of the software that actually make up the phone, right? And the sooner that you start to kind of get comfortable thinking about your world as a composite of millions upon millions of those smaller ideas, smaller pieces, suddenly you're, yeah, you're basically thinking like a software engineer now. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you ever like worked with something? It doesn't have to be anything on a computer or just your phone or any application or anything, but have you ever worked with something and you thought to yourself, this would work better if I just did this, this, or this. Yeah. Right. That's, that's part of that process. It's figuring out, you know, what's work. It's working, but it could be better. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the first step recognizing that it could be better. And then recognizing that if you did something differently, then the outcome might be better. And, yeah. and just those, those small steps lead up, you know, can be applied to code. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's those small steps uh, those atomic steps, if you will, yeah. um, that that build up into something bigger, and that that that's you know, in layman's terms, that's what software engineering is. It's just taking yeah. small bits here and there, no pun intended, um, <laughs> and putting them together for mm-hmm. for a specific outcome. And that's, I think that uh, just to kind of go into that i that idea a little bit more, I think personally, that's what uh, has always really made me enjoy software. It's, it's that idea that like any complicated thing at all in this world can be broken down into its constituent pieces there. And if you can 
spend enough time to understand what each and every constituent piece does, then you can understand the nature of the whole, you know, then you can understand everything about the whole. It's sort of like, you know, you have your computer there and the, and the monitor, you have the monitor, you have the, the, the motherboard, the, the different little parts there. As soon as you start to try and upgrade certain pieces because you notice certain bottlenecks, you're, that's what you're basically doing, right? Mm -hmm. You're breaking down this giant, this overall computer into its different pieces, and you're actually trying to optimize what those certain pieces do or how they behave. That's, that's right. software engineering in a nutshell. Right. I, I remember one of the very first exercises uh, in one of my classes back in college, um, one of the exercises was... Uh, to write down step for step how to make a sandwich <laughs> classic yeah <laughs> like i i remember like the the example solution to that was take two pieces of bread put something in them and then put the bread together right yeah and then eat like <laughs> that, that was it and i was like i don't under when I first saw that, I was like, I don't understand. Like, yeah. it can't, it's not this simple. And what I come to find out is, well, let's break it down even further. Yeah, You don't just have two pieces of bread. You got to open the bag that the bread's yeah. in. You got to take one slice out and mm -hmm. then take a second slice out. On the first slice, you put whatever condiment you want, whether that's mustard yeah. or whatever. But, you know, even even that can be broken down into more steps. And that was my first introduction into what is software development, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I, I, once you start to kind of, once that you cross that threshold and you start realizing that you can think about a lot of things, everything in life sort of that way, it also gives you a, a problem solving means, right? For you to, to be able to, to feel pretty confident, like any problem comes your way. You're like, oh, I can just break this down, you know? My my car stopped working. It doesn't work anymore. Well, what what doesn't right? Mm -hmm. is, is it is it does the ignition work? Is is it out of gas? Is you know are you are your gauges like flashing whatever warnings they're flashing right? I I think that that's why it's so powerful and and I I want people to sort of understand that even if you don't think of yourself as somebody who could learn code, who could get code or any of that, I am more than willing to bet most people in just their their careers so far in their day-to-day, -day, they probably know and put into practice a lot of the very same principles. And so it's really not that far of a leap to just yeah. throw basically a different language on top of it. Right, right. Um, bringing us back a little bit again. <laughs> um what what are some things that you think would be deal breakers for folks who are thinking about jumping into this field that that would they would ultimately completely hate yeah yeah i i think that that's um th th this is going to be that <laughs> this is kind of an interesting one to answer because i just said well even if you don't like it you should consider it <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean there's so there's a difference between liking it and doing it as a job right yeah yeah, like like you could absolutely love doing something, but the moment it becomes your day to day, day mm -hmm. in day out, uh, that then it changes the your your relationship to whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. So, um, I'll 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 start off here. Um, sitting in front of a computer, 
<laughs> yeah. If, yeah. If, if being in front of a computer for six plus hours a day is something that you absolutely can't tolerate, I would say maybe this isn't the field for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, just being in any kind of like office-like um, environment for any extended amount of time. I know plenty of people, they can grab their laptop and go outside and, and code on there. But just as like broadly speaking, if you can't stand sitting in front of a, uh, sitting at your desk for a while for six hours plus, then yeah, probably not for you. I'd also throw in there that, yeah, if you hate, hate interacting with people, period. And <laughs> this is this is tough because in a lot of software, you have to get feedback from your peers. In other words, you, you have to work with people who will tell you that you're doing something poorly. If mm-hmm. that feeling is is crippling and you hate it and you just can't deal with it, maybe software is not for you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean... There, there are folks who find a little niche with personalities like that that still yeah. make it through, but I can't imagine it's it's any fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like there would be a lot of very frustrating, uh, <laughs> frustrating mm-hmm. situations to navigate before you find that group. Another, another big one is if if learning new concepts is very difficult for you. Oh, it, it yeah. will be grueling. I, I know mm-hmm. we've said it before, but. Being able to learn new things constantly is huge for this field, right? Like jumping from language to language, for instance, um, you could you could work with one language, say Java, for a year, two years, yeah. and then next thing you know, you're at a job where you're doing mostly JavaScript. Now you're learning some some completely new frameworks, some completely new syntax. Um, yeah, and if if learning is just super hard and picking something up is difficult um i don't i wouldn't say it's impossible but it makes it it makes it feel like a chore it makes it feel very grueling yeah a a grueling process and and i'll uh, i'll I'll kind of add to it in this sense too if if that's kind of how you feel about learning new things i'm not going to say everyone like i think alan both of us have had uh I don't know if it's typical or atypical. I don't, I don't really care to classify it like that, but we've changed jobs about on average every two years or so, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so we are in that kind of learn brand new things, learn brand new process once every two years at the very least, right? And that's mm-hmm. radically different. That's not to mention any of the uh, learnings and, and new technologies we introduced at each job. It's... So like, yeah, we're definitely on on a certain end of that spectrum. And it's not to say that you can't find a job where you stay something like five years or seven years or even 10 plus, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that the nature of the industry as it is, you're probably going to have to do that at least once or twice, whether it's, you know, through a layoff, like like, you know, some kind of unfortunate circumstance like that, or if it's... Uh, your company of a long long tenure deciding to uh, introduce new technology or new new solutions right you're going yeah. to have to do it with at least some sort of regular cadence and yeah exactly like you said if you absolutely dread having to learn something new then probably not for you yeah um this one might be a little bit more nuanced but if you're not okay with responding to crises in the middle of the night, 
<laughs> and this this one's nuanced because not every company uh, operates this way. But if mm-hmm. you're working at a company who's uh, providing s- something as a service, if that service yeah. goes down at any moment, someone's yeah. got to respond to it, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if if you're not okay with being on call, I might consider uh, looking for at, at least looking for a position where that's not um, a requirement. Right. And I think that there's there's certainly, um, we sort of mentioned like different branches, different subcategories of it, that certain subcategories are going to be more on-call intensive than others. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, product managers, just as an example, you would never actually be on call. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen a product manager be on call. <laughs> <laughs> so funny story. A um, couple jobs ago, I had a task that I needed to do at I think it was like 2 a.m. my time mm-hmm. uh, because majority of our user base wasn't going to be on at that time. And so oh. I, I needed to push a, a big change uh, to production at 2 a.m. Um, and while my, my product manager didn't need to come on to the come online at that time with me, he decided to anyways. Um, oh, what an awesome dude. Yeah, right. Uh, I miss working with that guy. But uh, yeah, no, it's like it's not it's not required of product managers mm-hmm. but you know you do have personalities who will uh put themselves in those positions where they will offer offer up their time at, at yeah. what any inconvenient time <laughs> maybe right you know uh so overall i think like there's there's a couple of different i guess um ideas out there that yeah like if if you if you're saying yes to a couple of those things that we mentioned like maybe you shouldn't consider it as a career path but i sort of want to draw it back to to this idea that like uh, i i work with students and a lot of students have asked me like you know would i cut it as a software engineer would i could i actually make it um and be successful as a software engineer what i want most what i want everyone to kind of understand about that is that you can't think about it as a binary yes or no I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if even if you had zero experience in code, if you show there, there are jobs out there where if you literally just showed up, asked your boss, what do you want me to do today? And they described it to you in painful detail and you just went and did that, you would qualify, you, you would basically satisfy whatever it is that they needed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a very, very broad range no matter what skill level, no matter what experience level, if you haven't even started yet, it's fine. But the question, would I cut it as a software engineer, is pretty much always yes. <laughs> it's just Depends. like it, it's going to be yes to some degree, right? Like there's going to be a job out there where that works. And the question is more, do you want to go and find that job? Or do you want to develop your skill, develop your understanding and all of that so that you qualify for more jobs, right? As as cliche as it is, you're going to get as much from it as, as you put into it, right? Yeah, like exactly. You, you, you could be the type of person who literally just does the, the bare minimum, whatever's being asked of you, and yeah. you will qualify to be a software engineer. Or you can go above and beyond and start trying to solve the problems that you're facing in different ways and optimize whatever it is that you're solving and make your product so much better because of it. Right. And that that's what's going to set you apart. And that's what's going to 
push you up that that uh, quote unquote corporate ladder. Um, but yeah, like Min said, it's like the 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 more work and effort you put into it, the the more likely it is that you're you're going to enjoy this career. Yeah. Um, and I I can't refute that. <laughs> Yeah, the more the more stuff you learn, the 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 more open-minded you are to learn in general will open more doors for you to enjoy more aspects of it. So, yeah, I think overall we we've covered a lot of uh of different topics about just software engineering as a whole. I know there's there's no way that we could possibly cover every last bit of that. Uh, that topic, it's a very broad question, like what is software engineering? So uh, please, if you have any questions that we didn't cover or you just want to follow up with us, uh, tweet at us, tweet at us. We would be more than happy to to answer those. Um, any last thoughts, Alan? Um, no, no. I mean, you know, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll provide some resources uh, in the, the podcast descriptions for you know, how to get started, where to get started, just, just to see, dip your, your toes in the waters. But um, if, if you have that inkling, if you're asking yourself, if this is a career worth pursuing, you, you owe it to yourself to at least try. Yeah. I love that. I love that. All right. And with that, I think that's a great way to end the episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, episodes are released weekly, so be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also reach us on Twitter at underscore whip podcast. Come say hello and tell us what's on your mind. Until next time, remember, we're all a work in progress.